that at the cross, Christ conquered the grave, that He conquered our sin, He conquered our filth, our guilt, our sin in every way. Father, we pray that you would send your spirit to open our ears as you speak to us this morning. Open our ears, Father, to hear what you have for us, the word that you have for each of us that will bring us life, that will break our thorny hearts, that will break in and bring light and love. thank you, Jesus, that you have come and died to fix our broken life. Each of us, broken and limping through this world, Lord, we thank you that you have come to restore us and to fix us. And that, Lord, as you reveal your heart to us, and you reveal your way to us, and you reveal your glory to us through the Holy Spirit, that we see at the center of your purpose, at the center of your glory, is your heart for us. That your heart for us is filled with love, is filled with forgiveness, is filled with compassion. That the way of your heart, Father, is grace and mercy, not judgment, not condemnation. that your justice has been fulfilled in Jesus and his death but your love and compassion is the way of your heart towards us your children and Father that this morning as we celebrate communion we would know the way we are drawn close to you the way we are cleansed the way we are made whole that your way is Jesus Christ your son that there is no other way that He is the only way, that He is truth, and we can trust Him, that we can count on Him. And finally, Lord, when we ask to see Your glory, that we only need to look to our neighbor, that we only need to look around this church to know that we each display Your glory as we follow You, broken but made whole, healed but being healed, guilty and forgiven dirty but cleansed that we are your glory displayed on this earth for us to see for others to see that your your glory is in us we would believe that this morning we would see ourselves like that open our hearts, Lord, to receive your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. As we prepare for communion, I'd ask you to engage your imaginations. Just um, Dan and Denise, I'm trumping you today. All the youth are going to stay with us for the last 20 minutes. As we uh, move into this, I'll try to make this engaging and exciting for you guys, okay, the best I can. 
Um, but, but come with me, open your imagination, be a little creative. I know it's difficult for some of you, kind of type A, kind of doctor people, Lyndon. So um, if you could just open your mind a little bit, follow me back to the ancient Near East where we see Priscilla and Aquila and their home in Corinth. They, uh, you know, uh, Aquila was a businessman from Rome or Turkey and Priscilla was kind of a prim and proper young Roman uh, from the city or from the capital and uh, wherever they found their tent-making business, you would also find them opening their home for church. And in this model, or in this place, as you imagine with me, you would see at 5 o'clock people starting to show up. Some um, worried about being seen, some excited about being there. But they would show up to eat and to worship and to be with other Christians. They might bring food and drink. Um, they, uh, as they ate together, they would make sure that everyone's needs were being met, that no one would leave feeling hungry. And uh, they would catch up, and they would share, and then eventually they might pull up or pull out a few ancient instruments that resemble the flute or resemble the guitar or the drums, and they would begin to worship. And one might suggest a song, a song that was easy, that everyone could sing, and they'd learn it together. And then after learning it, they would sing it together. And then as they continued, they, they might open scripture and find music that was left similar to the song in Ephesians that says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you life. And they would sing that line over and over again, praying for the Spirit to make it real. And then after singing, one or two might come and share how Christ has made them alive, how Christ has come and created in their life Uh, Where there was death, he has brought light and life, like testimony time. That's what that time would be. And then there would be a time of teaching from the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament yet. They were the New Testament. But they would open the Old Testament and they would read the Old Testament. And the teacher would share how those promises of the Old Testament were being fulfilled, have been fulfilled for Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ. And how those promises in the Old Testament were coming alive and being fulfilled in them. And then a guy might stand up in the corner and pull out an old parchment paper and say, when I was in Judea, I heard Jesus say these words, and I feel like I should share, with, share them with you this morning. And he would read the paper, and they would worship, and they would pray in that. And then there might be another person who would stand in another part of the room and say, I feel like there's a, a prophetic message that God has for us this morning to encourage us. Or maybe it was a, a message that someone came forward with in, in tongues, And then they would wait and there would be an interpretation. And in the interpretation, the church would be edified and encouraged and God would be glorified. Another person in the back corner might stand up and say, as we were worshiping, I couldn't sing because I had this image in my mind the whole time. And it just kept coming back again and again and again. I just feel like I have to share this with everyone. Everyone in the room, excited about church, everyone excited about Jesus, everyone encouraged about their opportunity to be a part of this family, of the way, of Christianity. They're drawn drawn close as each share the gifts of the Spirit with their little church family, where the Father is being glorified and the church is being edified. Then the leader would say, We mustn't go away before recalling 
what Jesus did to make us His people. Wouldn't it be sad if we left today and we never talked about what Jesus has done to make us His children? He called us out of darkness. This is what the dude would say. Maybe. We sing about it. He called us out of darkness into the marvelous light and set us free from the grip of those evil habits that have held us in bondage. Let us then do as he did. Take and eat bread in remembrance of that, in remembrance of him. Let us exalt in his living presence in our midst tonight. We celebrate this morning a living God. We celebrate today together a reality that is true, that is real, that he's speaking to us. So that we would go out tomorrow with renewed dedication to love and serve Jesus. And then they pass the bread and they reflect on what it cost him to allow his body to be broken for them. Then they pass the cup around and people remember the text of Isaiah that says, by his stripes we are healed, reflecting on how his blood covers their sin and brings them freedom. There's the final blessing and from there they move out into the night and go home prepared to live for their Lord the next day. That's what it was like in the early church in the first century. There are no books, no fixed liturgy, no special building, no big separation between staff or clergy and the rest of the church. Everyone participating. Everyone giving and everyone receiving. Looking more like a large family than what we would say a church is. When I read those last few lines, this is coming from a book by a guy named Michael Green. And the name of the book is Corinthian Agenda. I'm going to teach on it this week in the morning service and next week in the evening service about communion. But when I read those last few lines about everyone giving and everyone receiving, I thought about River City Church. I thought about River City Church being a family. The reason we need to go to two services is because if we get too big, we won't feel like a family anymore. And as we get larger, we're going to have to work harder at being a family Some of you know this story, but as I was praying about whether I should lead the church or not, after coming back from London on the life course, I've been offered the opportunity and I had interviewed. I was walking to Starbucks, which is where God does a lot of powerful things in my life. And um, I was walking to Starbucks and I said, Lord, I said, what do I know about leading a church? I don't know anything. I don't know how to lead a church. And I felt like God just said as clear as day, and this isn't normal, so don't think that he speaks to me clear as day all the time. This is probably, you know, one of two or three times I've heard him this clearly. He said, Antley, I'm not asking you to build a church. I'm asking you to build a family. And you know how to do that. But that's what the early church looked like. That's what our heart is at River State Church, is to be a family. It's to be connected in every way. And there are tremendous strengths that we can learn from this model that we can take in and we can try to continue to incorporate at River City Church. But I'm not going to have time to share about those this morning as much as I'm going to talk about now. What we should do as we prepare 
to come together as a family and celebrate communion. You know, there are great dysfunctions at Corinth as well. They were self-centered, there were divisions, there was irreverence, there was idolatry, and the list goes on and on. But we can learn how to come to this table so that we can remember and receive what Christ has for us for the purpose of taking it out into the world. And so here's three things that we can consider that are internal things on how we should enter into communion. Again, next Sunday night we're going to have communion at the night service. I'm going to talk about three external things to prepare our hearts for communion. But the first one is that we should look back. Basically, we look back, we look in, and we look up. So we look back. Paul says, the night when he was betrayed was Passover night. For a Jew, it was the night of all nights, where they celebrated the nation's release from Egypt, the land of cruel bondage, the land of doom, and the land of death. God delivered them when a lamb had been sacrificed and its blood was applied to your doorpost, and the angel of death would pass over you, not killing your firstborn. You were only safe if you were under the blood of the Lamb. So at the Passover meal, the president, that's what they called him, would say, and still says to this day, this is the bread of affliction that our fathers ate in the wilderness. And then he would break the unleavened cakes. Imagine for those Jews that night, as Jesus was presiding over the Passover meal, and he changed the words forever for them. They were expecting to hear that statement, and instead they heard, this is my body that is broken for you. Jesus communicating that it's only under my blood that you can be protected. He was pointing to a deliverance and points for us to a deliverance that made the exodus look like a walk in the park. His deliverance was from guilt, shame, and doom, and bondage that sin had over them, that sin has over us. Here is where Christians, followers of Jesus, celebrate how the Lamb of God, Jesus, has set us free. And so first we need to look back and remember that that has been done for us. And that there is no sin that is covered, that cannot be covered. And this morning, someone on my staff came to me and they said that they saw someone in the parking lot and they went up to him and said, why don't you come into church? And the person's response was, I'm too dirty to come into church. And when he told me that, as we were worshiping today, I thought, that's about the worst thing that someone could think when they think about coming into church. That I'm too dirty. That's the last thing you should, be, that you should be thinking about when you come to this table. That I am too dirty. The blood of Christ covers you from everything. That there is nothing in your life that disqualifies you from this table. The second Paul tells us to look in. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. So eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Communion is a time 
for self-examination, where we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal things that we need to repent, that we need to let go of and allow so that He can cleanse us, so that we can be free. That's, remember, that's why He died, to set us free. And we hold on to those things. We can't. You know, in the same way that we wash our hands before we eat food, we allow the Holy Spirit to wash us and to cleanse us as we repent before we come to the table. It's the same thing. This never excludes us from the table, but rather informs us of the areas of our heart that need to be prepared for the meal so that we can receive the full measure of the blessing that's offered at the table. And so it's not a time that we feel guilty for guilty's sake or shameful for shameful's sake or that we allow the Holy Spirit to lift things up to be made known. It's a time that we do that so that we receive freedom, so that we can receive the benefits of communion. You know, if you had really, really, really dirty hands, you know, if you'd been like working on your toilet or something, like really dirty, like filthy, filthy hands, and you couldn't see it, you knew that they were just dirty. Like if your hands were that dirty, you know, it might cause you to not eat with them, hopefully. (laughs) But once you cleaned them, once you cleaned your hands or bleached them or did whatever you needed to do to your hands, and you knew they were clean, then those same hands would become the vehicle for eating, wouldn't they? The same hands that were so dirty that prevented you from eating would be the hands that fed you. Well, that's what happens with our heart. When we confess our sins, the very thing that prevents us from receiving the blessings of communion and the freedom from Christ, those very things, that sin in our life, as we confess those things, our hearts are cleansed, and then the very thing that prevents us from receiving God's love is the vehicle, our heart becomes the vehicle for receiving God's love. And so if we want the most out of communion today, we have to look in, invite the Holy Spirit to examine us, to cleanse us and to free us. And lastly, we look up. In 1 Corinthians 11, 20 and 21, Paul says, When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating each goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another goes drunk. And Paul's rebuking, the Corinthian church here. And he's telling them, he's trying to emphasize, this is not an ordinary meal. You don't eat it in the ordinary way. It's different. He provides it. We eat with him. This is no supper we eat to celebrate. This is no supper that we eat and celebrate a dead hero. But in communion, we celebrate the living Lord. Part of the mystery of this amazing sacrament is that, is that we both feed on Christ and we feed with Christ. He is the host who invites us to be his guest this morning. And he himself is the nourishment of our souls. He is the bread of life. Now, Catholics will tell you that communion is what feeds the Christian. Protestants will say that it's the word of God that feeds the Christian. But they are both wrong. It is Jesus who feeds us. It is Jesus who makes this come alive, makes the Word come alive. In all of the places that we celebrate, that we come together, that we pray, that we read the Word, that we go on missions, we have to look up and remember that it is Jesus who gives us life, that this table is about Him. It's not an ordinary table. It's a mysterious table. And we don't get all that's going on there. 
But we have to get that He is the one who invites us and that He is the one that feeds us. So today, as, we, as you come to communion, do you need to look back and remember what Christ has done to set you free? If you're struggling with guilt, if you're struggling with shame, if you feel like there's this sin that follows you around that you can't get rid of, or stress, or anxiety, or worry, then this morning you need to look back and remember that the Lamb of God has poured out His life so that those things you can be set free from. There's no reason you need to leave here today with those same struggles. There's no reason. Or maybe you need to look in. Are there areas of your life that you're tired of hiding from everyone else? Are you tired of trying to be a good Christian, to have enough quiet times, to go serve the poor, to go to church enough times? Are you tired of working so hard at being a Christian that you miss what it means to be a Christian? If you do, or if you are, then you need to look in and allow God to lift those things Allow the Father to fill you with His love so that you can receive all that He has for you today at this table. Or maybe you need to look up. If you're tired of trying to hold things together and be everything for everyone, then look up and receive from Jesus a strength that you will not find in yourself, that you cannot find on earth, He is the one who gives us power. He is the one who gives us strength to love, to follow and obey Him. Or maybe you're frustrated that your life has not worked out the way you want. Or you have unanswered questions. Or you're you're angry at God. I mean, there's people here who are angry at God. That's okay. He can handle it. But before you come to the table, you need to look up. Allow Jesus to become your strength and your power to satisfy you with, in the midst of unanswered questions, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering. Look up and know that Jesus meets you and empowers you. He walks with you and feeds you his body for the strength and power to follow him. You need to hear this morning the same things that Jesus did when he baptized, was baptized, that you are his beloved child. Your value comes not from what you can do in your own strength, but what has been done for you in His. Look up this morning and receive the Father's love. The way we do communion here is that we'll have four stations, and the kind of the people up top and the back will go to those two, and the people down here will go to these two. We don't have ushers, but it never gets chaotic because we ask you to come when you feel led. And I'm giving you three things to think about this morning. And right from communion, we want you to go back and sit down, and then we're going to move right into ministry, where you can come forward and receive prayer, just like we talk about in Cuba. And God can set you free. That God can deliver you. He can heal you. He can restore you this morning. But as you come this morning, my hope, and the hope of the Father, is that the people who come to this table and feel unworthy, and feel dirty, and feel thirsty, will still come. 
tremendous price has been paid for you to come this morning and get all that you can. So as I pray, if the helpers could come forward, that would be great. Father, we pray this morning that you would come and fill us with your love. You would come and fill us with your spirit. And you would bring us your freedom. A freedom that comes in surrendering to you. And being filled with your spirit, with your hope, and with your love. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done to make this possible. In your name we pray, amen. And Jesus, that night when he was with his friends at the Passover meal, he not only said those words, but he took a piece of bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Remember, don't ever forget the price that I've paid so that you can be free from the bondage, from the doom, and the sin that has enslaved you for so long. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant, that there is a new time that you are a part of now where there is freedom under my blood and there is safety and that you no longer have to worry about death because you I've called to receive the fullness of life that only comes by my blood. And he passed the cup around. So as you come today, allow the Spirit to lead you to a place to receive what he has for you. your kingdom come on earth, let it be just like we pray for you, yes and amen to everything that's in your heart, yes and amen to everything that you have planned, we live to see your will be done. 
Just as we finish this morning, if we could clear the first three rows of chairs out, that'd be great. Charles, could you help move this table? And if we could just fill in the space right here with people. And um, we're not done yet. We're not done yet, so don't disengage yet. Again, we feel like at River State Church that this time right now is the most powerful time in the whole service that we, we don't start thinking about our children, we don't start thinking about lunch, we don't start doing anything. We start thinking about what God has for me now. You've heard what we think that God has for you. But as that song said, His desire is to speak to you, to heal you, to restore you, to fix your broken life. The question is, will you let Him? Or will you just go through the motions, allow the table to be just another ritual in your week that's powerless, and it's empty. Or will you allow Him to come and heal you now? To touch you? To restore you? Father, we come to You this morning and we thank You for Your broken body. 
We thank you for your blood that's been poured out so that we can be free from the doom. We can be free from the sin. We can be free from the guilt. We can be free from the pressure to have it all together. We can be free from the lie of feeling dirty and inadequate or feeling unworthy. And we can be free to be as thirsty as you make us and as hungry as you desire for us to be for you. That we can be free from the lies that we've heard from our experiences in the church in the past that prevent us from becoming who we are created to be. That we can be free from the lie that the church is an institution, not a family. Because, Father, this morning we desire to be your children, for you to be our Father, and for us to be a family. And, Lord, you know we don't have all the answers. We make mistakes here every week, but we also believe that you're big enough to make up the difference. That you're big enough, big enough to bring life through broken people. That you are great enough in your love and in your mercy, and your Spirit is, is excited and is leaping within us to use us to bring life to our brothers and sisters here today. And so, Father, as we contemplate coming forward and receiving prayer, or receiving prayer where we are, we pray that you would fill us with the hope that you filled those early believers in the first century with, that they would delight in your love that night, so that they would leave renewed, dedicated to your cause alone, dedicated to your kingdom moving forward, and doing whatever it took for that to happen, that we would leave filled with the promises that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ, that He has come and that He has set us free from the bondage of sin and brokenness and unworthiness in our life. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now to come and to make these promises true in each of our lives. Why don't we stand?